Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more movie and nostalgia podcasts, visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking. I'm Kara Gail O'Regan. With me is my co-host, Jordan Pullen-Clark. Hi. And this week, we are talking about 1999's Jawbreaker. Uh, written and directed by Darren Stein, Jawbreaker stars Rose McGowan as one of three most popular girls at Reagan High who accidentally killed four. the prom queen. There's four of them. Well, d- the fourth didn't wasn't involved in the murder. Uh, they yes, they that's kill true. Who <laughs> I guess was would murdered. have been the prom queen, and then she gets replaced. Continue. Bye. <laughs> yes, Judy Greer. Yeah, it took me like thirty minutes to feel like, oh, that's Judy Greer. What do I know her from? Yeah, uh, that happened to me a lot in this movie. Uh, like, Carol Kane plays a very understated part for Carol Kane, I felt. I'm a little but disappointed. Over, well, everyone in this movie is overstated. <laughs> yes, it's very um, turned up to 11, I guess. It's really campy. It's like... Yes. And interesting in all sorts of ways that we will get into. Um, I don't know. Where should we start? Did you say the plot already? I was talking, no, I so didn't. I wasn't listening. Oh, I only kind of half-assed it. Uh, they accidentally kill who would have been the prom queen, I guess. Although, in this description, it says accidentally kill the prom queen. But she never gets to become prom queen because she's dead. Anyway, uh, they uh, kidnap her on her birthday and shove a jawbreaker in her mouth and, like, duct tape over it and then she accidentally chokes to death on it and so they cover up her death um and try and like replace her in their clique with uh the nerd girl fern who happens upon the crime scene and they bribe her by being like haven't you always wanted to be popular and then they give her what has been probably the most bizarre makeover montage that we've covered yet on this very podcast did you happen to notice that uh, now that you're talking about it, yes. It was like a real like Frankenstein's monster situation. But but it's it also bizarre. was like kind of incomplete, I want to say. Like, I, I couldn't understand how we got from point A to point B. Oh, because they were actually, montage. it was like part makeover montage, part like funeral home making up the corpse, like melded together. It's like a very weird dream sequence, but it happened. Yeah. I guess it's, yeah. Um, I loved it. <laughs> this movie is so weird, and this I movie, don't understand how yeah. it got made. It well, okay, yeah, like I f- okay, so like it's not okay. Just like can't hardly wait. If we were to describe this movie to you just based on the plot, it's not really super different than any other like high school movie, like. Mm-hmm. That has some darkness in it, right? But it, like this I, one's I, real I, dark. <laughs> I, yeah, but I feel like I've said like several times, like about movies that we watched, where I'm like, this just should have been a better movie. Like if someone had done any of this on purpose, like uh-huh. everything in this movie is on purpose. Yeah, and you can tell, like they just like they were either all on the same page or like did a real good job pretending. So it. <laughs> It, it. Well, they're yeah. all in the same movie, <laughs> you know. Like they're all in the same very weird movie. Whereas, like in other movies, like you might have people who are who like don't quite get it and are acting in a different movie. And yeah, but in but even one. like even like Idle Hands. Let's go back to mm-hmm. Idle Hands. Um, you know, also a teen high school comedy about murder. Yeah, there was murder in that. I was like, wait, how did they die? No, yeah, it was murder. Um, but it... Teen murder comedy. Felt, like, pretty inconsistent. Like, mm-hmm. like for whatever reason, the directing maybe didn't match the script or some of the ideas the actors had, like, didn't match what the director wanted. And so it came out kind of choppy. Um but this, like, knows what it is, like, straight yeah. through. And it's, like, tight as hell, I think, too. Yeah. 
Um, and it like the pacing, I think, is really great too. Like I, it really moves in a way that was like actually kind of annoying because I was folding laundry and I would like look down for a moment and be like, "How did we get here? What's happening?" I think that's honestly why I miss the makeover scene, kind of. Yeah, I would recommend going back and watching it. Cause... I meant to. Go- I started. It, I watched it in like pieces over a few days, and I was mm-hmm. like, "I'll go back and watch some of the parts again." I didn't do that. Yeah, that's a shame. Um. Did you happen to watch it with captions on? Yeah, probably, because I watch everything with captions on. Why? Because uh, there were a lot of, like, random kind of background lines in this that were weird and amazing. Like, like what? not necessarily background lines, but, like, after they accidentally kill their friend and they're pretending everything's fine, they're, like, in school, and we see them in various classes, like, with weird lectures happening, and one of them is in health class, and the health teacher is talking about how, in the Middle Ages, knowledge of female anatomy was revealed through autopsy and execution, and she's, like, talking about how they would execute women at various different points of the menstrual cycle to, like, study what was happening in their bodies and it's just like very weird and macabre but she's doing it also in kind of like a weird sexy voice i feel like there was something else in that in that montage of like them being in classes that was super weird but i wasn't paying close enough attention yeah well one of them is in like a home ec class and the teacher is like now take the egg and smash it like delicately but firmly and one of them breaks the egg open and there's like blood in the egg yeah and the goth girl's like super excited about it yeah somebody either the director or the editor or somebody has a real soft spot in their heart for that goth girl because she is all over this movie well her and her clique is kind of in it too so yeah so i think so not i don't want to like generalize or make assumptions but the guy who the same the guy who wrote this also directed it is Mm -hmm. gay and Mm. you can tell Mm -hmm. like oh this is a very queer movie yes yeah and like 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 that's what makes it good (laughs) that's why this is better than idle hands is that's why this is better than Can't Hardly Wait is. Like, it's not totally cis. Like, it yeah. is, but it knows it is, and it's making fun of a lot playing of it, with it, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, it's camp. Yeah. Um, also, the costumes in this. <laughs> so good. They're so good. Hang on, let me grab the lady's name, who is the costume designer. I clicked on her IMDb profile, and um, guess who she has worked with in the past? Who? Mona May. She worked in the wardrobe department on Clueless. That checks out because this lo- this right? looks like Clueless, but extra. Clueless on like a little bit of acid, which I yeah. feel like describes this movie kind of really well. It's like is it acid Clueless though, or something drugs. else? Yeah, I, acid is not the right one. I just can't quite put my finger on it. On um, like coke? Not quite that though either. Perhaps like, a drug cocktail of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit of ketamine in there. Um, let's see. Costume designed by Vicki Barrett. Yeah, so she worked in the costume department on both Clueless the movie and the TV show, as well as The Wedding Singer. Oh, that all and some other things. checks out. Right? Like, the, the, color. the color palette. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like, it's a very, like, um, like john waters like hairspray like Mm. crybaby color palette also Mm -hmm. and i feel like if i had more attachment to like him and those movies this might piss me off but i don't so because i feel like this is trying to do that but he does it better Mm -hmm. and there's a, a very kind of um retro yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's Look part to of a lot I of mean. the costumes, like a lot of what Rose, Mc- a lot of what those girls are wearing. Like, there's a lot of like pencil skirts and like sweater girl sweaters and scarves and stuff that's like very much of that like late fifties, early sixties hairspray yeah. era, but still um, very nineties at the same time. So nineties, like so glossy. The lip gloss in this is like out of control. <laughs> And like the like the like um like pastel colors like mm-hmm. that like kind of baby pink and like baby blue colors that are so ugly, but they're not they're not quite pastels because they're no, like a little yeah. too vivid. Um, 
they're like neon pastels in a way, which is not really a thing, but. But I know what you mean. And like, I think like part, part of it is like in the, the, is it the prom or is it just a dance? I don't know, whatever. Um, the, yeah, like the, that like pastel-y, all those dress colors, like mm. the light purple and the light and the ice blue. blue, like ice yeah. blue. Yeah. That's what it's called. Oh my God. Uh, so Rose McGowan wears a sweater in this that has Argyle boob windows. Did you notice that? No, but I'm okay. So Google it's it like right now. Ar- it's a like I think it was like a light like baby blue sweater, right? And then there's like three diamonds down the front of it, and the diamonds are actually sheer fabric. And then there's like red crisscross Argyle style on top of it. And you oh and at front, it's I'm like trying to find it. It's just subtle enough that they could just be cream colored you know, diamonds on that sweater. And then I realized, like, as she moved, I was like, those are boob windows. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, her boobs are amazing in this yes. movie. Yeah, and those sweaters are, like, designed specifically to accentuate them. Can't find it. Oh, my God. Uh, Jawbreaker Argyle sweater. I love uh, Rose McGowan's character is always dressed in solid or like monochromatic outfits of like a single color. And she has that like purple outfit with like the perfect, like the purple, like short satin purple side scarf and then like a cardigan that's too tiny and bears her midriff and then has on these like amazing purple pedal pusher pants she yes purple pedal pusher she pants she does a thing that. like several times in this movie that i don't know how she does which is that she wears the same color but it's mm-hmm. not exactly the same color on her whole body and it looks fine like those purples are all different purples yes it's called wearing monochromatic palette I, but but it looks oh you have real words for it good job <laughs> I'm well, not the smart trick at is this. They need to be like the same intent. Like I don't know if you if you you just have to be good at color. I can't. But those purples it. shouldn't go together. But they but look they so do. good on. They but totally they shouldn't. Do. No, the reason that they do is because the pants and the scarf are the same color, and then they're that same kind of like plum purple. Yeah, I guess that's why. And then the sweater is like a lighter color of it. Um. She also has a red ensemble in this that's quite, quite lovely. Uh, oh, right. I was looking for the Argyle sweater. <laughs> What's her character name? Mm, no idea. Okay. Uh, jawbreaker. Courtney. Courtney sweaters. You have got to be kidding me. I can't believe that the sweater is not all over the internet. I, can't I know. I can find a lot of her other outfits, but I can't. I have not found that, that some one. brand hasn't like been like, we make these now. There's a, I don't know if this would be on it, but I, maybe we've talked about this. There's a website you can go to that will, where you can find clothes from TV shows. Yeah. Because I, I use it all the time to find Gina Linetti's clothes. <laughs> There's an Instagram account I follow that uh, um, I'm only getting like side views and top views. It's a turtleneck also. I forgot that detail. It's also (laughs) a sleeveless turtleneck. Oh my God, I'm losing my mind. I love a sleeveless turtleneck. Um, Love a T-neck in general. What was I saying? There's an Instagram account. That's as far as Oh, there's an Instagram account that uh, takes outfits from the nanny and, like, finds pieces <laughs> of it on, like, Etsy and stuff. Fran Drescher, real style icon. Oh, I cannot believe that this sweater isn't everywhere. Okay, well, you're just going to have to take my word for it and go back and rewatch you. the movie that it's an amazing sweater with Argyle boob windows. And this also happens to be a baby blue turtleneck that is also sleepless. (laughs) Uh, The clothes in this movie are wonderful. 
and looking to see if I have any other uh, clothing specific notes. Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't make clothing notes because I feel like I would have just kept being like writing exclamation points. Yeah, and being like that, that. Um, the thing that I remember, or the thing that like stands out to me the most, is the thing that's in her hair at the dance at the end. Oh yeah, she has some sort of like hair headpiece that she's wearing. It's very kind of like I don't get it, but I like it. Is it like space goddess is the word that I would use, you know, because it's like a little Grecian inspired, but also maybe from outer space. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's like silver and shiny because everything Mm -hmm. in 99 was silver and shiny. Was it silver or was it also the ice blue? No, I thought it was silver. I could be wrong. It would have been so shiny that it seemed silver. Oh, it is silver because the li- like the uh, lining of her dress is also silver. Yeah, she looks like an alien, and she has um, like uh, not quite a, a shawl, but like a thin scarf that's the same like ice blue color, and she has it tied around her wrists so she doesn't have to hold on to it, which honestly is brilliant. Because um, I hate it when you wear something like that with a dress and then you have to like hang on to it all night. Yeah, it's annoying. Um, Rebecca Gayhart wears yellow tinted sunglasses in this, where, as we just watched, can't hardly wait, and Freddie Rodriguez was wearing a pair of yellow tinted sunglasses. Yeah, those were Black pretty frames. cool then. Yeah, you know, I kind of want a pair of them now. <laughs> Why? Well, I had a pair in like 1998, and they were great because they make everything look happy and sunny and nice. Because everything's yellow. Yeah, and then yellow is one of my favorite colors, and it's just, you know, nice to see the world. It also, like, enhances a lot of colors and makes them seem, like, a lot more vivid. Oh, I feel very strongly, for branding purposes, that when Fern becomes Violet, she should always be wearing purple, and she's not. You know? Yeah, that, that, mm, she wears a lot of pink. When she gets a lot popular. of like very like Barbie Pepto yeah. pinks, yeah. And I just feel like if your name's gonna be Violet, you should be wearing purple all the time. How come? Here's one of my problems with this. She got, she got popular, which also means she got rich. <laughs> Because she's, like, driving that insane car and has all these, Oh, that's because like, she clothes. made out with somebody and he gave it to her. Oh. I yeah. Oh. Somehow I did a bad job paying attention to this movie. Um, everyone is super horny in this movie. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Okay, can we talk about Rose McGowan and that guy and that popsicle? I, uh, yes, we can. Absolutely. Yes, we can. For the next eight hours. <laughs> I love that scene so much. It makes me wish that like we could know her better because mm-hmm. like she's the villain in this, but like in that scene to me, she is not the villain. Like she is like so interesting and like so like she's super manipulative. She's I don't know what she's using him for something. Um because she uses well, everybody she, for something. Yeah, but she's just kind of like established that like she's a real freak. <laughs> yeah, and and like I don't know, just like when do you see that in like like cuz I so we've watched a lot of movies where like homophobia shows up. Mm-hmm. And it certainly shows up in this too, but it's on purpose. It's like the mm-hmm. mean girls calling the other girls, you know, like dykes. Yeah. And you're there's suppo- a lot. Like, <laughs> there's so much simulated oral sex in this movie. Like, really not is. just the popsicle yeah. scene. There's just, like, a lot of, like, mimed cunnilingus. Like, yeah. more than I think I've seen in any movie ever. <laughs> well, this is rated R, I assume. Yeah, we, probably. Um, I guess Idle Hands was probably also rated R, but I think most teen comedies purposefully stay rated PG-13. Yeah. Um, this didn't bother with that at all. No, it did not. Um, but, yeah, there, so there's... Like, certainly these characters are homophobic in front of their friends, 
some of them, but he sure isn't when he's alone with her. What, isn't that always the way? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Not always. Uh, but, but, you know, it just you know. I thought mm-hmm. it was a fun thing to see because you don't you don't expect that out of a movie like this. You don't expect that out of a movie like this because so often when we see teenage girls as sexual beings in movies, it's uh, they're taking being and and this is kind of what this movie is about too. They're being taken advantage of. She says uh, like when they kind of like are trying to cover up her death. She says they'll believe it because it's their their worst nightmare, the very picture of teenage perfection obliterated by perversion, because they're going to make it look like she died during some sort of sexual encounter, possibly a rape. Um, and then here she is being a total perv herself. Um, and I, I don't mean that judgmentally at all. I think it's great. Everyone should be a perv, but, you know, consensually. Um where was I going with this? Oh, that like teenage girls in movies, if they are sexualized in any way, it's, you know, voyeurism, it's them being taken advantage of, or it's them um, using sex to get what they want. And they're playing with like all three of those things in that movie, I feel like. Like she's not using sex to get what she wants. Like what she wants is sex it seems yeah like she's just doing it for fun which is what it's for (laughs) right and we we never get to see women in general but especially teen girls in movies having at least not until recently having this kind of sexual agency where not only does she is she an active participant in her own sex life she is the aggressor and she's making it weird you know like and it's not just this like very uh traditional idea of what a sexual encounter between two uh like a man and a woman would be on screen usually you know yeah definitely but there is also like a hint of like she, I mean, she's meant to be 17. Everyone in this movie is, like, 30 years old. Oh, but for sure. She's she's meant to be, like, 17. And there's a part where she uses, like, a much older man. She takes him home to have sex. Who, who by the way, Marilyn in Manson. real life happens to be Marilyn Manson. They were enga- cause they were engaged when oh, they were Oh, I remember. Made. Yes, this was, um, uh, yeah, yeah, this was a time in the culture. And this is the second time we've seen Marilyn Manson have sex in a movie that we've watched. What was the other one? He's in Lost Highway in the porn. <gasps> I totally forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. Um. So, so she, and so I think, like, maybe watching that part, though, it's like, I mean, one, ew, what a bitch, to, like, use that <laughs> dude. She, she frames that dude for murder. Grab rape. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, you know, also this idea that maybe it's like a little like Laura Palmer, like maybe she's oh, a little I wrote down her head. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down Laura Palmer. Not during that part, but during the part where she's telling the detective that like, uh, what was the dead girl's name, Liz? Yeah, when she's like yeah. explaining like, oh, maybe this happened. And it was like, it was Laura yeah, she Palmer. Wasn't into t- she wasn't into high school boys. She was into men and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I wrote down Laura, Pal- Laura Palmer. Uh, and then the next note is just Marilyn Manson several exclamation points <laughs> but it's like it's not just her like that one character's sexual uh, dalliances or manipulation or whatever she's doing in this movie she's doing all sorts of things um, but also there seems to be like a, a some sort of element between Rebecca Gayhart's character and Liz that like they were maybe secretly in love with each other and that Rebecca Gayhart and Fern had maybe been secretly in love with each other when they were friends before and Fern was in love with Liz like there's all Fern sorts was of... definitely in love with Liz yeah. but I didn't pick up on all the other ones why do you think oh that? um I it I don't know maybe I'm projecting but I I feel like there's that scene where she's like 
Rebecca Gayhart's character seems to have had a different kind of relationship with the dead friend than the other well, girls did. They were closer yeah. in that photograph. They're like kind of hovering together in a but maybe that, too but close she does way. say it's like she does say that like she's the only one that she actually cared about. Like mm-hmm. that she was clearly the only person in the group that like Rebecca Gayhart viewed as a legitimate friend. Mm-hmm. So I just I guess I just took that as like friend intimacy where with the other two girls like she didn't actually like them yeah which is possible but I just got this vibe that like and maybe there was more to this that didn't wind up in the final cut of the movie because it was already like pushing so many boundaries that like for like uh, ratings sake and like you know like they have to kind of make compromises to allow other stuff into the movie I think like two teenage girls being in love with each other is just a bridge too far but murdering each other's fine. Yeah. Wouldn't it also, um, like, not that, like, yeah, that'd be a cool thing to throw in, but it also but, doesn't really serve the story. Because like, well, there's already so much going on. Yeah. That, true that there's already so much going on. I disagree that it needs to serve the story because, like, yeah, can't no, two girls right. just be in love? But also... <laughs> yeah, um, but it... But it uh, yeah. But no, also, I think can, that... But... There can be not necessarily, um, you know, like a, a, like t- girls can have very intense relationships with each other that don't necessarily uh, transcend into like romantic and sexual love, but like the undercurrent for it and like the underpinnings are there and it's confusing and intense you know so it might have been that kind of relationship but there's just like that scene where she's like standing just kind of like staring at the pool and then she's like imagining that girl there the way that they look at each other just makes me feel like there was something else there I I took it differently I could definitely see it that way but I I guess in my brain like it's like it's like there were two different things happening like her as a character in the movie she was like imagining and missing her friend mm-hmm. and then me as who the maybe viewer, she was also in love with who knows maybe but like <laughs> me as the viewer they want me to see all of these characters like be very over sexualized mm-hmm. and so I don't know I like in I don't know I separated them in my brain for some reason where I'm like that wasn't her that like that like her nipples play very prominently in that part <laughs> like I noticed and in yeah. my brain that was like for me the viewer and not necessarily mm-hmm. like for the friend the character mm-hmm. why not both <laughs> I don't know I don't know yeah interesting well i i think also just the the fact that like she and fern had once been very close doesn't necessarily mean anything but i just was like maybe reading a little bit too much into the vibes between people but i just um like there was just like a lot of like ambient queerness to this movie that i i feel like kind of implied that that was there but well, yeah, but like wrong. all around though too, like not necessarily mm-hmm. just between those characters. Yeah. I liked that the you know, there's like when somebody is like giving the lay of the land of the school, like in the lunchroom, like you know that happens in all these movies. Mm-hmm. But I like that in this movie it's like kind of incomplete, but it, Rose McGowan gives the speech and it's it's through food. Mm. Kind of like like she's talking about how they would never eat at lunch because they can't give anyone any ammo against them, basically. Like if you eat, that's like somebody can make fun of you for what you ate. Mm-hmm. And she kind of goes through like the different tables and some of the foods. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but uh, that's an interesting way. That's an interesting vehicle through which to, you know, uh, divide and conquer the social landscape. Yeah, it was just a little bit different. Yeah, well, because there's that, of course, that same 
Cher has that same monologue in Clueless, where she, you know she's t- talking about all the different people, the different groups, and they're walking through. But yeah, huh. she says two really funny things at the lunch table, and I only wrote down one of them. One of them is. Oh, she's telling Violet why she named her Violet. And she's like, well, oh. fern is a plant, blah, blah, blah. And she says, never send a rose unless dyed black as a warning. Yes, I loved it. I wrote it down. And then she says something else about how she should never be a parent because she loses her patience. <laughs> they also, as they're like walking in there and everyone's like checking Violet out, She's like talking about like this incredible creation that she's made, and then she says, "And to think, my second grade teacher said I had no artistic potential." <laughs> she's um. very like Cher Horowitz in that way. Oh kind of, yeah, in the way she sees herself and oh, she's she's absolutely like bizarro Cher almost. Like if this is like like. So Amy Heckerling talked about how she made the world of Clueless this kind of like fantasy world where like everything is nice and good. And this world is kind of like the bizarro version of that, which is kind of is bad. Yeah, everything is like bad and sinister and like, you know, like instead of having blonde hair, she has black hair. But they're kind of the same character. They're just, like, their motivations are kind of two opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah, well, Courtney doesn't care about becoming a better person. Mm-hmm. Wait, here's the here's the actual quote about the rose thing. She, was, she said, I was thinking, fern. Fern's a plant, right? I don't know about you, but I'd much rather be a flower. A rose? Too obvious. Never send a rose unless dyed black as a warning. And if one is sent to you, destroy it along with the sender. Emotionally, of course. It's not like we kill people. On purpose. Because <laughs> they all look at her like she... They're like, uh... Um, this is a wonderful entry into one of my favorite genres. Women committing felonies together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just really enjoy that as a basis for any movie. Um, and it opens... Or, well, actually, this whole soundtrack it is so good. It's so good. It's like all the good soundtracks we've been hearing, but it's much more female punk rock based. Yes. Yeah, it opens with Volcano Girls by Veruca Salt, which is uh-huh. fucking s- such a good song. Uh, yeah. And the Donnas are the band at the yeah, dance. Yeah, they're in the movie. But they look so uncomfortable. And so young. Yeah. I mean, they were really young. They were, like, teenagers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, really random people in this. Um, like, uh, Kaniki from Greece plays one of the girl's dads. The other parents are played by people from Carrie? Uh, PJ Souls plays that same girl's mom, and she is one of the mean girls in Carrie. Um, I don't think... Maybe that was it. Yeah, maybe. She wear In Carrie, she has this, like, rainbow baseball hat that she's wearing the whole time. It's very odd. Oh, oh she's okay. the girl with the hat. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, it's a cool so... hat. It is a cool hat. I like that hat. It's a fun hat. Okay. William Kett apparently was also in Carrie. Um, Pam Greer is in this. Wait, now can I read the thing about the wigs? Oh, yeah. The first trivia in I- on IMDb's trivia page for this is... Pam Greer's contract states that she must be in charge of doing her own hair for her films. For this film, she's wearing about three wigs blended together. <laughs> Which look terrible. <laughs> her They're, hair is it's a lot of very hair. bad in this movie, and I noticed it, and I was thinking, why is her hair so bad in this? But I would point out that uh, for a lot of black women in Hollywood and people of color in general on sets, a lot of hairdressers on sets are white and don't know how to handle textured hair. So yeah, a lot totally of black sense. people through Hollywood history have had to do their own hair and also makeup um, because hair and makeup artists on sets are not trained and, and don't 
understand that you have to handle it differently. Um, so that may be why, so racism might be the reason why her contract reads that way. Um, Checks out it based does. on everything else we know about everything. Right. But I will say that her hair is ridiculous, but it's not like super out of line with anything no. else that's in this. Like, it's not like it doesn't fit into the movie. It's fine. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's a character choice because I just have never, like, her hair has never looked that bad <laughs> before. <laughs> uh, Tatiana Ali from oh, the yeah. Fresh of Bel-Air mm-hmm. is in this. Not enough. I know. She's, like, just a peripheral popular just, girl yeah, a couple of times. Um, who else? Oh, uh... <laughs> One of the other adults in this movie was in the Rage Carrie too, which is great. Um, the sister from Eric's sister from that '70s show is one of the girls at the dance. Okay, I think that's it for like random people who show up. Um, oh, there was a woman cinematographer for this. There was. Yeah. I feel like I looked her up. She did other stuff too. Good for her. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Amy Vincent. I wish that this director writer had has done more. Mm. He has not because I like this. Mm -hmm. I love this movie. I loved it when it came out. Um, because it came out, I guess, nineteen ninety nine was right when I was turning dark. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like eighth grade, seventh eighth grade, ninth grade. Uh, so this was like exactly the teen movie for me, but I don't think even at that time that I realized how weird and dark it is. No, not at all. You just like knew that it was dark and that like Rose McGowan was cool. Right. Uh, it made me want to eat a jawbreaker, which I couldn't find one to purchase on the internet. (laughs) Those are an odd candy that I don't understand. Well, I always just remember them being so big that it was mm-hmm. like, I don't want, How? what am I supposed to do? Well, I couldn't understand. I don't know if this happened in your school, but when I was in like fifth grade, they became like really trendy. And all the popular girls, like all the girls who would have been the main characters in this movie, like carried them around. Like all day. I would just, like, like in their hand? Them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is Ew. disgusting. and you would just like lick it and lick it and lick it and it would wear down over time well and it had a middle right i guess so yeah eventually if you had the patience to get there but i feel like it like wore your tongue down in the process i would also point out that this um uh, around this time actually uh, rose mcgowan i believe like this was like right after or like right before she was raped by Harvey Weinstein um so it's interesting that this plot deals so much with um kind of the specter of sexual predation yeah I don't really have any more insight into that I just thought it's uh interesting to to put it in that context because it was like at this time at that same time that she like wore that crazy non-dress, the non-dress. Yeah, yeah to the mtv movie award was that movie awards or yeah. music awards i don't know one of, one those. of those yeah well yeah and how interesting to now know what was happening to her but to also like see her in these roles and in these situations where she seems to be really in control yeah of her sexuality and then to know just like how she was getting abused like yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a um, cognitive dissonance and I think is is part of the reason or well, I, this is just like generally, you know, part of the reason that people have such a hard time understanding how sexual assault can affect people is that like in some cases people really shy away from sex and then in other situations they might become hypersexualized afterwards. Um and people have a hard time understanding how or why you might go in that direction. 
I mean, I think she always played parts like this, though. Oh, of course, yeah. This is who she always was on screen. Yeah, and she was in Scream back in, what was that, 96? Yeah. Um, Which was produced by the Weinsteins. Uh, And she had worked with them then and was playing, like, kind of a very similar, albeit less, um, like, a very similar character, but maybe with, like, a lot less agency in that movie. Um, And then had, was in, like, several movies where she was placed in, like, hypersexualized character roles, Um, which I don't know, like, how much of that was her her choice are just like these are the roles that she's getting and she is trying to make a living well i mean for most like attractive women those are the right roles that they're getting like yeah especially at that age yeah no one has any eyebrows in this oh my god i wrote down rose mcgowan queen of the tiny eyebrows they all are the very tiny though like i wasn't mad about it no i mean they're fine but they're they're tiny Real tiny. Um, I feel like this really lays a lot of the foundation of Mean Girls. Oh, yeah. The first thing I wrote down was that this movie is if... Hold on. I have to see what I wrote. This movie is like Heathers and Clueless and Mean Girls had a perfect baby. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really has like so many things from all of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um... And the end is kind of a reverse carry, which yeah. is interesting. That like the prom queen is the one who's like humiliated, and I love that sequence with the still shots of her when she's where like, she's walking through everybody, yeah, and weeping, and her makeup's all messed up, and they're all yelling ridiculous things at her. Like mm-hmm. some of them are yelling things that make sense, but some of them are just like "fuck you," <laughs> just like throwing stuff oh that does it for my notes i'm gonna scan through these uh trivia and see if there's anything real good i wrote that we we get to like we're in can't hardly wait we talked about how jennifer love hewitt must have gone through this like huge transition that we didn't get to see oh yeah we get to see it in this movie because Rebecca Gayhart goes from being like in the mean girl clique to being like yeah. kind of a nice regular person. Oh, that's such an interesting thing to point out, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we still didn't get to see all those hours she spent sitting in her room by herself listening to Jewel. No, but we did get to see her sit with her like regular boyfriend mm-hmm. who's and talk to him about some things that were like, okay, I see the transition you're making. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Writer-director Darren Stein originally intended to write a horror film. I would argue that this is a horror film. But um, when he started writing the script, he based it on a group of girls he went to high school with who would kidnap each other on their birthdays and thought, what if it went horribly wrong? (laughs) In the process, he eventually realized that he was actually writing a dark comedy. I think that this is a horror movie. I think all movies are horror movies, though. Um, They all could be. I think that if you look at them right, they certainly are. And this one definitely is. I mean, they killed their friend. <laughs> there's murder, you know, there's there's menace. Oh, I just put two and two together that Rose McGowan gives a spe- that speech about a rose. That's oh! Her, that's her real name. That's her real name in real life. That's so funny. I didn't <laughs> even think of that either. Yeah, so each of the actors playing members of the Purr family, which is the family of the girl that gets murdered was either in Carrie or the Rage Carrie 2 and then Judy Greer would later go on to star in the remake of Carrie the 2010 or 2013 I think with um Chloe Grace Moretz plays Carrie mm-hmm. and Julianne Moore plays her mother I you know people think that movie's terrible I think it's actually quite good you're the only one I know who's watched it yeah people did not like this movie when it came out oh shocking (laughs) it didn't make any money it got terrible reviews but even like like i always go to the av club because i usually agree with them even the av club gave it a terrible review what did they have to say 
just said it was like there was like kind of nothing special about it. Like, what? It it wasn't funny. It did it like basically that it was like just good enough that you could watch it, but the person didn't really love anything about it. It just went way over their heads. Well, and then, the world just so wasn't like, ready for this movie. Everything, everything now says that this is like a cult movie now. Mm-hmm. But like, and what what makes something a cult movie? And like, I know what makes something a cult movie, but I think that people have to still be watching it for it to be considered a cult movie. And I don't know anybody else besides us who's still watching this movie. <laughs> I'm sure I'm I would be so curious to know what the the teens think of this movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, cuz I I'd like things like just like teens are allowed to be so much more sexually fluid now than they were when we were that age, so I, I just would be so curious to know what they make of this. Um Another trivia point here, the metallic hairbands that we talked about that were wrapped around Rose McGowan's head for the prom scene was the result of off-screen competition. Rebecca Gayhart had walked out of the hair and makeup trailer with her hair done up in flowers, which awoke the competitive spirit in Rose, who quickly went back to the trailer and demanded that she have a more interesting hairstyle, which to me reads like made-up gossip. Definitely. (laughs) You know? Or that, like, oh, they were in in competition with each other. It's so obnoxious. Oh, God, they shot this whole thing in 30 days. It's incredible that it is as, like, consistent as it is under that time frame. Or, like, as solid as it is. Oh, do you know who Angeline is? She's this, like, kind of pseudo-celebrity in Los Angeles. She was just, like, this rich lady who just bought billboards of herself. Real icon. Anyway, um, the shot of Violet sitting on the hood of her red Corvette was inspired by those billboards. And now that I know that, it makes more sense about the way that her character is styled. Because Angeline was always, like, in that kind of, like, Barbie pink. Oh, I just Googled her. Yeah. 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 Wow, she's doing a split on top of this pink car. Oh, oh now I have to Google cool. it. Cool. What a style icon. Um, let's see. Oh, wow. Oh, good for her. Oof. I'm so mad. I can't, I've never been able to do a split. I'm so hypermobile in so many other ways, and a split has just never been in the cards for me, at least not without like dislocating never my hip. too late. It might be. Nope. It's <laughs> never too late. Ooh. Hmm, interesting. During the entire film, a circular theme is visible to call back to the jawbreaker from the girls' earrings, which they wear hoops throughout the majority of the film, to light fixtures, to patterns, to wall fixtures. I did not pick up on that, but that's neat. I found a, a t-shirt that I want. Hold on, I'm going to send it to you. I wanted a tank top, though. Let's see. Oh no, the butt's finally going to go away in our chat. Oh no, the butt's still there. Didn't take up that much space. Oh, neat. That is a cool t-shirt. It's Rose McGowan in a graphical, trippy style paint with a looking um, lustily at a jawbreaker, which is also trippy. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, another piece of... What reads this fake gossip? Rose McGowan said that Judy Greer was much more of a violet behind the scenes than a fern mayo. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they just want us to think that she talks shit about people and is bitchy. That's probably not true. I mean, she is known to have a big mouth, but like, I feel like some of these things she might have said jokingly, which then get put in print as like, she said them seriously, you know? Or like, even if she did say them and meant them, like... That doesn't, like, neither one of those things are necessarily bad things, Mm -hmm. except that's how they're being framed, you know? Right. It's kind of like this, like, competition. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Yeah, I think that's all I got, too. I'm glad we watched another good movie, though. Oh, me too. Thank God. 
Did you happen to scroll down on this page of the t-shirt that you sent to me? No, why? Like, if you actually, like, click on the shirt and go to the real listing, not the Google listing. Okay, hold on, I will. Uh, it's this one. <laughs> it's thinking. It's thinking. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? Oh, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, visit site. Okay. It's a website called Ray John. Oh, why? <laughs> Wait, I'm curious if yours is the same as mine. It probably is. What do you see? Uh, a couple shirts with Kim Jong Un doing throwing uh-huh. gang signs. Uh huh. Yep. A pair of Santa shorts. So uh-huh. it's like Santa pants, but in shorts. For shorts. Form. Yes, with a belt. With a belt, a pair of natty light shorts with some flamingos on them, a crew neck sweatshirt with green roses. That's I like that. Cool. I want that I like one. it too. Me That's too. nice. Um, a baby Grinch collage tee. A. Oh. A lovely sweatshirt with an interesting uh, image from uh, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Mm-hmm. It's Chevy Chase. Mm hmm. And then there is a pair of graphically printed leggings that um, when you put them on, the lower half of your body then looks like the lower half of Michelangelo's sculpture David, which Mm -hmm. has a full dick and balls on display. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Scroll down even farther. Oh, are you looking at the Captain Crunch shorts? I sure am. So it's a pair of shorts with a print of the box cover of Captain Crunch. Uh, Partially, yeah. I I can't even describe that. There's just too much going on there. But more more simulated oral sex. <laughs> on shorts. <laughs> on yeah. shorts. Oh boy, what a time to be alive. Ooh, what a great Macho Man Randy Savage t-shirt. Where? I will send you a link. It's quite lovely. Are you clicking around this website now? Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so that's usually a sign that our podcast is over. <laughs> when we're when we're just browsing the internet, yeah. Oh, this yeah. has not happened for a while. That is a nice shirt. Yeah. Oh, they also have a t-shirt, like a full bleed, full print t-shirt, of uh, Johnny Cash eating cake under a bush extremely high, okay. which is a photograph that I just love in general. And I was like, oh, full on a t-shirt. There's also a full face Nicolas Cage t-shirt. What did you click? I'm curious what you clicked first. There's a lot of choices here. Okay. So down, like when you, next to the Captain Crunch shorts, there's like a slider. So I clicked on the arrow. And that showed me the uh, the Macho Man shirt. So I clicked okay. on that. And now I'm just like looking at the page of other gotcha. stuff that's on there. I may get this for Ben for Christmas, though. It's cheaper than the fancy vacuum sealed jars I was going to get him. <laughs> Have you watched anything else? I watched Midsummer finally. Oh, what'd you think? I liked it a lot. Interesting. It was real dark and real good. And it wasn't like her like I would never watch Hereditary again. It mm. was too scary. It was too traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Like have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I you okay. told me about the a particularly traumatizing incident in the movie. It, and it was just, like, so shocking that my body hurt. Like, uh-huh. but so there wasn't anything like that in Midsummer, but it was just, like, really? really? <laughs> no, there was nothing that was, like, it was all shocking, of course, but, like, none of it came out of nowhere. It was a slow yeah. build, and you were yeah, like, okay, <laughs> except that this is where we've landed okay um and it was the the part with the two elderly elderly people uh like that cliff scene that 
That was oh, like a, almost too much for me. <laughs> I cheated because he says, they're like, what are we doing tomorrow? And he says a word in Swedish. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to Google what that means. Oh. So like I knew what was going to happen in that scene before it happened. But I didn't watch most of that scene. Like, Yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, but I thought it was also, it was also so beautiful. Yeah. Like a lot of the like overhead shots, just like gorgeous, like really well made. Mm hmm. And her flower dress at the end. <laughs> I actually, so I've been going through all my clothes, trying to like get rid of stuff and switch out my winter and summer stuff. And I came across this dress that I've worn to several weddings and I like tried it on to see if it still fit and I realized that it has like a real dark midsummer vibe to it because it's kind of like deranged and floral which is <laughs> yes. my favorite aesthetic yeah um, I don't know I liked it I think that movie I found like it was like a little too much style over substance and that oh. like as far as like ways to explore extreme grief in that setting I th I, I just thought it I was underwhelmed um, by the potential that the movie had for yeah, exploring I could, I could the see that. that it did yeah yeah it definitely wasn't as strong as like hereditary in that aspect because yeah. it they're both about like people who are really fucked up for good mm -hmm. reasons um you know, like real for real trauma that they're trying to deal with. Right. Um, Hereditary definitely does a better job. Mm. But I liked it. Yeah. I also had like a real problem with the movie's use of people with disabilities <laughs> as like narrative yeah. function more than actual human lives. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a movie. So that's generally how it goes. Um, I also, like, I don't know. The, it, so, it, like, the main character in the movie is a woman. Um, but, and I forget whose letterboxed review I read that said this, that I was like, oh, that's a very interesting way of framing it and kind of, like, hits the nail on the head for me that, like, it's like very male gazy, not necessarily of her physical body, but of her emotional landscape. And like, it's still very voyeuristic and not necessarily centering her experience. But I think that might be on purpose. On purpose, yeah. And it's yeah. like. Because and it's also, not like I mean, they... once the credits rolled, like, literally everyone who worked on this movie was a man. So, like, there were yeah, no I mean... women producers, you know, obviously written and directed by a man. Like, all the way down the line, like, it was all men, um, which certainly can affect how a story about a woman is, is told. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, that's common and... yeah. I think the only reason I would not defend that, like, you could definitely look at it that way, and it's totally valid, is that, like, I feel like the, the movie kept kept its distance from every character, mm -hmm. including her. Yeah. Um, like, everybody we kind of gazed at from afar. Yeah, everyone's kind of alienated from everyone and themselves. Yeah. I also feel like it didn't take as good advantage of, like, the, like, oppressive daylight of northern Sweden in this, like, the fact that the sun is always there. Yeah, well, I feel like that's, like, a, like, that happened with a lot of the things that they tried to do, where it's, like, this is presented as a plot point, and then mm -hmm. it's not used well enough. Mm -hmm. Also, the flower crowns weren't great. I liked the flower crowns. I mean, they were fine. It's just, you know, they could have... I, I just... Actually, all of the florals could have been better. All right. I mean, I believe you. You know a lot of things about flowers. Maybe just those were the only flowers that grew where they lived. No, 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 no. It's not that. 
Um, and, and there are certain circumstances where I can tell they are using real flowers and those look better. And then other circumstances where they're using fake flowers mm-hmm. for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously like her whole dress is fake. Um, but like those aren't necessarily the kinds of flowers that would be growing there at that time. Yeah. Um, and it, it just had a kind of cartoony look to it that I feel like it, I, I don't know it's really just an aesthetic thing it's my problem not theirs <laughs> uh, I did I did appreciate the uh, non-flower flora crown that that one guy wears which is just it's all greens and it's like a full ruscous crown and then has kind of a veil trailing down the back of it of um, what's called tree fern which are really just asparagus greens I don't remember that one it's nice. <laughs> it was my favorite one. I believe you. Yeah. I also started watching Shit's Creek, which like 10 people have told me to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. Oh, interesting. I've had so many people be like, you need to see the show. It's funny, but I'm, I've been, I mean, I like binge watch, you know, like 10 episodes in a day or mm-hmm. something. And like every episode feels the same to me. Yeah. And they're all funny, and I like the people in it a lot, but, like, I already don't remember any of the jokes or, like, any of the anything, you know? Mm -hmm. I I don't know, maybe I wasn't in the right state of mind to, like, truly appreciate it or something. That's possible. Because, like, they're hilariously funny, like Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy and I mean, Catherine O'Hara is... They're all great, and their their line delivery is perfect and amazing in it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And then, what's the other thing? Oh, I started a podcast that came out last week called Gaslight. Okay. And it stars Chloe Grace Moretz as, like, it's fiction, um, as a girl who disappeared just after her 18th birthday, and mm. it's because she joined a cult. Ooh, my favorite topic. And then she come, and then she comes back, and like, so it's released. There's one new episode every day, and they're only like 10 minutes long, so they're just telling the story in like short little bursts. I think they're they're doing somewhere between like 10 and 20 episodes, so it's like halfway done now, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, but you, so she like comes back and she goes right to her old best friend's house and you get the idea that she's like there for some reason, like the cult sent her, but you don't really know why yet. And it's been really good. I started listening because John Gallagher Jr. does one of the voices and I really like him. Um, and it's been good. I recommend it. Cool. Have you watched anything? I have watched so many things. I only have four minutes. Okay. Um, I watched, oh, I've been, you know, I've been so stressed out. So I've been watching a lot of like stupid, dumb romance movies. Um, or like I, my ideal genre for this exact state of being is like middle-aged woman, maybe recently divorced, recently widowed, recently broken up with, you know, like travel, does a solo travel, really an eat, pray, love movie, but not eat, pray, love, like learns about herself and the world and maybe learns to love again, but that's not necessarily the main, you know, storyline. It's really more about her getting back in touch with herself. Those are my favorite kinds of movies. Um, And there's a new one on, on Netflix starring uh, Kristen Davis, who was the pretty one on Sex and the City. Mm -hmm, Um, And Rob Lowe. And she is this veteran, former veterinarian who like quit to raise her kid. Um, Her husband dumps her and then she goes to, Oh, she had, like, booked this, like, second honeymoon for her and her husband, and then he, like, dumps her, so she goes on it herself, and she winds up in Africa, and she uh, winds up on this, like, elephant, like, preserve, and falls in love with the elephants, and, like, learns to love herself again, and then also fucks Rob Lowe. It's great. Um, And it's, like, a little bit of a Christmas movie, but not really. 
um, because so many of these movies, like the 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 tone that I want, it is is there, but then it's a Christmas movie. They're holiday like, movies, Ugh. yeah, yeah. So I watched that. Um, I, I watched another one called Falling in Love, an in with two ends, uh, where this woman wins an inn in New Zealand and like goes and tries to rehab it and like falls in love with a hot New Ze- New Zealand guy. That one was really great. One called The Spirit of Christmas, um, where this girl fa- falls in love with a ghost, but they don't have her fuck the ghost because they're cowards um oh I, I went to the movies and i saw parasite bong joon ho's oh i want to see it so bad it's great go see it yeah um, i have to go really far away to see it so i haven't yet yeah i watched oh i watched spy kids one and two which are some of possibly the strangest most bizarre movies ever made but are kind of that. amazing i believe that i haven't seen them but robert rodriguez made them right he, yeah it, they're crazy and i can see how uh they would be they could be like really important to latinx kids because everyone in these movies are like these little kids like they're they're like full latin names are their passwords for things and it's like so empowering i feel like and antonio banderas is in them he plays their dad and he's hilarious and hot um <laughs> uh what else did i watch oh a documentary called the biggest little farm about a biodynamic farm trying to get off the ground that was fun and cute um oh and a movie called bound from 1996 which is an early wachowski movie uh, starring gina gershon and jennifer tilly which is uh incredible that was really good. Um, and then I've been watching the latest season of The Crown on Netflix about the royal family, um, which always makes me feel so guilty because I know that all of my ancestors are just spinning in their graves because I feel so much empathy and compassion for the royal family. <laughs> I feel like also that just speaks to the incredible power of narrative storytelling to mm-hmm. humanize people and inspire empathy. <laughs> That's it. It's all the stuff I've been watching. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, Jordan, if people on the internet wanted to find you, where would they look? I'm on Instagram at JordoPC. And I am also on Instagram at Bimps, but don't look for me. Uh, and we'll talk That's the you- first time you even said it in a while. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on Wistful Thinking, where we'll be doing something else that we have not planned yet. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.